sight In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life All right, welcome to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today we are continuing our journey into Season 2 with Season 2, Episode 2, Drive, because this show loved the singular word titles. What is this week's paranormal mystery? Uh, Machines that have minds of their own. And feelings of their own, too. (laughs) Spooky cars. (laughs) <laughs> and spooky teenagers learning how to drive yeah we've got a uh, this is a jack focused episode which i we haven't had in a while yeah the premise for this one is uh jack is of driving age and uh, along with clue tries to well successfully talks molly into buying a car but the car they buy has a mind of its own which of course fiona quickly notices and that leads us to our mystery and the haunted car has plans of its own, which ends up ruining Jack's driver's test. It's pretty much drive in a nutshell here. Mm-hmm. What's everybody's general thoughts on this one? Um, it's enjoyable. I don't hate it. I don't like it a lot, but uh, I guess a little above average for me. I like this episode. There aren't a lot of episodes of So Weird that I can say that I genuinely dislike. At least in season find- one and two, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I like this one, um, but the only part that really stands out to me when I think about this episode is the actual driving uh, test. The rest of it kind of is a little fuzzy. For me, this is just an okay episode. The only things I really like about it are the Jack Club romance and the Molly-Ned bonding. As Molly worries about Jack coming of age to drive and the memories it stirs up for her with Rick. I think it's really sweet that she goes to Ned for comfort in that situation. Yeah, it is nice that they managed to sneak that in in one scene where Molly says she hates getting in, she hates driving in cars, and she's really concerned about what may happen to Jack with the way that Rick died. It's nice that they, even in an episode like this, which doesn't really connect too much with the so weird overall lore, it's nice that they snuck that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of interesting because i mean they spend their lives on the road so i guess for her driving in a bus is different than driving in a car yeah i had the same thought and i I guess that's that's what they were going for yeah um you know this one isn't bad i think this is kind of a minor episode but it's fun for what it is this is a goofier one Mm -hmm. especially the driving test and (laughs) fee and clue driving side by side (laughs) Yeah, lots of not-too-great rear projection effects in this episode. (laughs) I actually hate watching the driving test portion because I always get this secondhand embarrassment for Jack, where I feel so bad for him because his test is going so terribly and he's in such denial that there's anything wrong with the car. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, there's, there's lots of goofiness there with the... Though I do love how deadpan the driving instructor is. Uh, at one point, he says something like, oh, we're just in the middle of a, a soon-to-be-failed driving test or something <laughs> like that. That's a funny moment. Yeah, I also like the line where he tells Jack, tell your insane little friend to go home, and Jack just yells, that doesn't work, she lives at my house. Yeah, that's a good one. I like <laughs> that too. Um, and 
you know, this episode was directed by Paul Lynch, who previously directed Angel. One of the elements of Angel that I liked so much was how moody the direction was. And I noted that Lynch had previously directed some Canadian horror movies in the early 80s, like Prom Night and Humongous. And this episode has a little bit of that kind of moody horror direction, mostly in the very first scene where we see the owner of the car go down to his garage after hearing a strange noise, and we see that the car is trying to drive itself out. And most of the episode is pretty light and sunny and goofy, but that first opening scene has just a little bit of shadowy intensity to it that I do enjoy. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that it does have the dark undertones when we get into the details of the car accident that the car was in, and that they didn't make it to the hospital on time. Yeah, and I like that because... Lynn's almost kind of a ghost story, urban legend aspect to this episode. And there is sort of this idea throughout urban legends and pop culture of the haunted car or like self-propelled, you know, evil cars or something that crops up from time to time in movies and books. I mean, I think Stephen King's book, Christine, and the film adaptation of that book are the most famous examples. But there's also a movie from the 70s called The Car... Uh, there's a film with Charlie Sheen called The Wraith, which is about a killer car. There's a whole bunch. There's actually kind of a small subgenre of killer car movies. Oh, wow. And this is sort of a kid's version of that troupe. Yeah, so the story with the car is that a husband was taking his wife to the hospital. Um, I forgot why they were going to the hospital, but Wasn't they didn't. Wasn't she pregnant? Yeah. Oh, what? Really? No, I thought she was having a heart attack. I think oh. it was heart attack. I don't think it was pregnant because that. I think that would have been too dark. You know, no. you think I'd know that since I just watched this like ten minutes. I ago. know. <laughs> I think they were. I think she had a heart attack, and then the brakes failed. Right. Yeah, I remember the brakes, the brakes failed. Or yeah, well, they crash before they make it to the hospital, and so the the mechanic who bought the car fixed it up, and in a way, that was the car getting a second chance. So that's why the car is always trying to go to Hope Springs Hospital because it feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does, I guess there presents a level of ambiguity there. Either the car itself has some sort of consciousness and is seeking to atone for some sort of past sin, if you will, or maybe the vehicle is haunted by the previous owners. I guess that's a bit up in the air though. I think that opening scene with Fiona shaking her hand like a, old movie villain at the, the computer is sort of setting up this idea that, oh, the machine has a mind of its own. Yeah, and I always find that really weird that they frame it as the car is trying to make up for the accident that it was in previously because they drive into traffic at one point. And how is it making up if they get Jack into an accident? <laughs> I, I guess it's like if you fight it, like, it's planned, then you end up in trouble. But if you just let it go, it you'll be okay? I don't know. The ambiguous motivation of the self-driving <laughs> car in this episode. Uh, and, you know, though, I do think there is sort of a precedence in there. You know, I'm sure you've all heard the urban legend of the disappearing hitchhiker and how they would always take the person, make the person drive them back to either the cemetery where they died or the house where they used to live. So I think that was maybe on the writer's minds a little bit with this one, this idea of the car going back to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I don't know, possibly. Yeah, I'm not too into the story about the car. I'm way more into the character development where we get to see just how close Jack and Clue are and their big goodbye scene at the end and how they bond over, dude, it's our car. 
this R card you're almost wrecking, and Clue's so insistent on it being half his and half Jack's. I think that's really cute. Though, why were they sawing a log in the last scene? <laughs> because that's manly stuff. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're out there. It seems like they live in the outskirts, and I don't know. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Just That's just solid wood together. <laughs> I always thought it was odd that they both wanted to buy a car and both share it. Why, why would I don't know? Why would they do that? So that they make, could pull their money. Yeah, I was under the impression it was because neither of them had enough cash on their own to buy they a car. Yeah, so. they immediately go into the problem though of like, oh, when Clue leaves to college, like I'm going to take it, but Jack's like, no, I'm going to take it. Yeah, and that's the other thing I want to bring up, how they reference um, Clue leaving soon for college, and he also mentions he has a brother. So this is sort of subtly setting up Clue leaving the show and bringing in Carrie, mm -hmm. which will be happening soon. So Yeah, and I do like how they mention Carrie a few times before they bring him in. Yeah, it's not like, well, it could be how, um, I forgot Clue's actor's name. Eric Fondant. Yeah, that Eric was leaving, and yeah, they did immediately hire someone else. But at least in an episode, and then one episode in season one, they had brought up that he had a brother. Yeah, some good uh, continuity there. And speaking of continuity, how many times do we hear she sells, or excuse me, she sells in this episode? A lot, as Molly's finally recording it. Yeah, about four or five times, including over the end credits. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I, also, mm -hmm. speaking of continuity, I really like how we see this car again in season three in the episode where Clue comes back to visit from college. Oh, we do? I didn't realize that. That's a nice touch. So um, what do you guys think of Fee in this episode? I like the bandana she wears. I like her butterfly <laughs> clips. Yeah, those are good too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she doesn't have as big as a role because this is... Uh, jack episode to a degree but we've talked about this before it's always fun to see fiona out there sleuthing and digging up mysteries and this one you know she checks out the mechanic that sold the car who has a very obvious canadian accent <laughs> and do you know who he is that actor not a clue he um is from twilight <laughs> Really? That would explain why I don't recognize him. Yeah, he plays Jacob's dad, actually. Aww. So he had a big role in Twilight, and uh, and I'm not into Twilight, guys. I just saw the first movie to make fun of it. Okay, <laughs> but sure, yeah. you did. Uh, okay, guys, I read the books, and I was like super <laughs> into them for a month, and then like it was like I came out of a trance or something. I was like, what happened to me? So. Anyway, but yeah, he's from Twilight, and it's just funny seeing him in this tiny role in this show, because Twilight's like a super phenomenon, or it was for a time. Yeah, you Next know, I don't know I if the, it, I'll think of that. What What are the kids into these days? I, I'm way out of the loop. <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> yeah, the YouTube. pies and I such. Guess. And the Bye Bye Man, that's a big one. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I just keep seeing memes of that. <laughs> yeah, people making fun of the name. Yeah, that's been a a meme unto itself in the movie group I'm a part of. Anywho. <laughs> um, yeah, and there is uh, some good Fiona stuff in this episode. I like uh, the scene where she comes downstairs in her pajamas at 5 in the morning asking what in the world Jack and Clue are up to. 
Yeah, I like the Jack and Fee banter that's in this episode. And then also that scene later on after Fee comes in and tells Jack about how the car is haunted. And Jack gets so frustrated and he's like, okay, you shut up. You, this car is half mine. I'll drive it when I want. And then, and then he, he points, points to, Molly, to Molly. And he's like, <laughs> you. And then he points to himself. I think it's time for me to go mow the lawn. Phillip's <laughs> <laughs> the only moment. Yeah, that, I like that, and I like the scene earlier where he says, um, Fiona says, you'll have to drive me occasionally, and he says, if your UFO breaks down, I'll pick you up, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Some good lines. Yeah. And um, I do just want to mention that opening sequence again where Fiona's yelling at her computer because it's um, misoperating. I don't know about you guys. I've had a lot of experiences with computer glitches and errors, especially recently, and... I've never had a computer come up and tell me to call the manufacturer. I don't know about you. Do you notice in that opening monologue, she's writing a 50-plus page long essay? Yeah, about, I was going to bring that up. Like, Did yeah. anyone pause it? And oh, read no. Do we, do we see the subject of this 50-page essay? Yeah. Yeah, it's on the proof of aliens. Yeah, her last sentence is, this essay, which represents six months of exhausted research, and that's where it cuts off. (laughs) I love the little details you guys pick up on. That's so cool. Uh, I mean, I guess that gives us some insight into what the content on Fee's So Weird uh, website is like. Mm -hmm. Just these rambling 50-page essays about aliens and Bigfoot and such. (laughs) I bet she probably turned it into net as a research paper. Oh, that's a possibility as well. But even then, 50 seems excessive. Yeah. And also in her opening monologue, um, the way that she's presenting the topic of this episode, she says, are machines out to get us? Which is pretty ominous. But, you know, how we see, it turns out that the car just feels guilty. So I like how that played up. I didn't like how that played out. I always thought that was kind of a lame storyline. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like it's playing off on this troop of the haunted car or the self-driving car, which, you know, as I said, has piss popped up from time to time. And um, and I don't know. I also feel like this is trying to play into this idea that, oh, Jack is around that age. I'm going, you know, obviously he's at least 16. So driving is something he's interested in. And Fiona's a little too young for those sort of plot lines, but it makes sense for Jack. So that's a good way to get an episode about him in there. Yeah, I did like that angle and the perspective of the story as far as Jack is concerned. I just didn't like the way it's explained as the car feels bad. Something about that just always seemed off to me. Yeah, though that's fair. It, it's it's weird. It's kind of it's a weird idea. It's weird writing. Yeah. Yeah, and that scene that I never like with um the car rearview mirror like staring down or so at Fee, and Fee's moving, and the mirror's moving. <laughs> yeah. It always makes me laugh. Yeah. Now, you did mention um, Patrick Levis and Eric Von Ditten's, you know, bro bonding in this episode, of which there is a lot. Yeah. And, you know, at first, it, it when I first watched this episode, it felt like the ending scene was, you know, even with all the bonding going on, it was maybe a little tacked on at the end. I don't know. But then I realized, um, so there's that scene earlier where Clue's talking about he's going off to school, and he's talking about the schools he he's applied to, and Jack is, like, not looking at him at all. Like, he's looking down at the table. 
and clues like Earth to Jack. And I wonder if Jack's kind of just like trying to block that out because he is maybe a little sad about Clue going off to college. I don't know. Do you all know what scene I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I remember the scene. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just picked up on that this time because I, I thought maybe it was just, at first I thought maybe it was just him, like, you know, so nervous about the driving test. But now I'm thinking maybe he really was listening to Clue talk about going off. Yeah, I think that ties in about how he didn't want to wait to say goodbye to Clue. He just wanted to say goodbye and get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that ending scene is cute where he says to him, you know, let's not, let's just say goodbye now and spend the next couple months hanging out. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, like, like I said, this is kind of a, a goofy one, but I find that most of the humor works, most of it. Yeah, I think it works also. Um, there's a line that Clue says, like, after the horrible driving test, Clue gets out of the car and goes to Jack, and he's like, so, did you pass? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and that's just some good delivery fare from from Von Detten. He's also speaking of good delivery from Von Detten. One of my favorite lines from this episode is in the beginning, where the boys go over to Molly and present her with the idea of getting a car, and she asks them, "Clue, did you talk to your parents about that?" This, and he's like, "One, they're one hundred percent, absolutely." Not informed about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, though, just another way how much times have changed where the kids are looking up cars for sale in the want ads. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, back before the internet when we actually had to like, call people and look things up in order to buy stuff, we just couldn't go on to <laughs> Craigslist or <Craigslist>. whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, and they had the internet, it just wasn't used for that yet. Yeah, and that's, I don't know, that was just one of the many things about the show. We're re-watching it where you just see things like, oh man, welcome back 2000. Yeah. <laughs> like like the, the orange uh, bandana fee wears around this episode, though I'll have to admit, I don't remember that specific fashion uh, thing in the day, but you know, <laughs> you know, Fiona doesn't strike me as the bandana kind of girl, but you know, in this one, she's driving around. It's a little more well, sporty than usual. Episode. Yeah, usually that's like the whole mechanic look going down, <laughs> and also the, her pattern of that kind of matches the pattern of Clue's shirt in that scene. Soulmate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was gonna say something about that scene, so thank you for bringing that up because that's the scene where Clue and Fee are, you know, Fee's telling Clue about her theory, and Clue says that is completely insane, which is just. It's really interesting that he says that because normally he goes along with Fee. But and he does end up going along with Fee. Yeah, why do you all think that is? I don't know. Maybe the idea of a car that feels guilty is just a bridge too far even for Clue. Yeah. He knows that Jack's in danger because whether it's because Jack's driving sucks or maybe there is something really wrong with the car. And that gives an excuse as to why Jack's driving has been so bad. So it's kind of like a scapegoat almost. Yeah, well, I've always thought the same thing, Emily, how he just says that that's insane right off the bat compared to other times in the past. But attributed to him, it's like part of his decision of getting a car. And it's like how Molly says it's a grown-up thing. Maybe the other times, like, he hasn't felt that it was that serious. 
And, you know, we never really get much insight into why Clue always accompanies Fiona on her little adventures. So we never really know if he is a believer in the paranormal like she is, or maybe he's just a bored teenager and is looking for stuff to do. I don't know. I was just thinking, you know, he's really excited about this car. So hearing that there's something haunting it or whatever, he probably just doesn't want to believe it. I mean, they've saved up so much money for it, so... Well, yeah, $500 is a lot of money when you're 16 years old, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's not as if Jack and Clue have a summer job or anything, so. Yeah, and there is some good uh, Dave Squatch moments in this episode when Jack is on his first driving attempt. And I love the little excuses he thinks up, like, oh, I went for an oil slick, or, you know, I think the uh, tension's a little high or whatever. <laughs> and I do like Ned's reaction to that. Some good, fun stuff there. We don't see Irene in this episode. Nope. Boy, we have a lot to say about this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you all have any driver's test horror stories? I'm just curious. Yeah, you know, uh, I just took mine like two years ago. <laughs> it was okay. I barely pass, but I'm good now. The I don't test have itself was oh. fine for me. The issue was when I went to get the paperwork to get my permit. My mom found my birth certificate, and it listed me as a male. Oh, and, what? Yeah, and then when she went to get it fixed, they wanted to charge her money for it because they thought I was transgender. And then she had to fight with them on it. Like, oh, I have to pay $20 because somebody made a mistake. Wow. So they want to poison the fee, and I got my real birth certificate. And that's a pretty serious screw-up on their end. Yeah. Well, and I don't have any. No one ever caught it before. It took 16 years. Yeah. Notice. You know, I don't have any horror stories about driving tests, though it took me a couple of tries. And my first test, um, my instructor or whatever, the guy that was monitoring me, had a lisp and a funny slicked back black haircut. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with Laverne and Shirley, but he looked and sounded like Twiggy from that show. And that was bizarre. But you know, what was traumatizing was the driving class I took in high school because my teachers in that class were insane and would say things like, you have to keep your doors locked at all times or you will get raped. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds like an episode out of Mean Girls. Yeah, it does a little bit. And uh, that was just, it was kind of like that every single day that driver's ed teacher only ever he didn't focus on the positive attributes of driving he was all about <laughs> drilling into your brain that if you make mistakes you will die or you will be attacked or whatever and it was nuts but uh, other than that no <laughs> well yeah my driver's ed class was more like alcohol 101 yeah <laughs> all right so so weird <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, clearly we don't have too much to say about this one because it's not a bad episode. It's sort of a middle-of-the-road episode, and compared to a lot of the stuff that's coming up soon later in the season, it's not as heavy. Yeah, it doesn't really tie in too much to the overall story arc about Rick, though there's still a little bit of mention to him. It's really not essential. And though, keep in mind, you know, the previous episode was a very serious, emotional episode, so maybe it was intentional to have the second episode of season two be more lighthearted. Yeah, I think that's what they usually do with the intense episode. Just have a breather episode right after. And this is a lighthearted, funny episode. There are some good lines in there that always make me laugh. All right, well, in that case, are we ready to go on and rate the episode? <laughs> yep. 
All right. Well, for me, back when I uh, rewatched this one a couple years ago, I gave this a seven, which is a little high. I would probably bump it down to a five or a six today. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think like a five. It's not terrible, but it's really not a great episode. It's just kind of there for me. Pretty forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. I would give it a six. Just not a five. I I think because I like uh, the Clue and Jack moments a lot. So, six for me. And Emily, who doesn't give ratings? <laughs> Are you going to introduce me that way every time? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just say it's pretty forgettable other than the ending scene. And, well, I kind of like the driver, driving instructor, but really, I don't remember this one very well. Oh, we didn't talk about the coffee. <laughs> how could we forget the coffee the, the... I know the driver instructor he was so in love with his coffee he told Jack that all he needed to do to pass the test was not to spill a drop of the coffee and the entire cup spilled all over him it was tragic <laughs> yeah doesn't he say something about how the coffee which is afforded to me as an employee of the state or something <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that was funny. Like I said, I, I like the funny stuff with the driver instructor and just Jack getting into these generally awkward scenarios. But the mm -hmm. central premise is a little silly, but it's not a bad one. You know, middle of the road so weird, but sometimes that's okay. Yeah. So any feedback since last time, Kathy? I think it's been all of a week since we recorded. So. <laughs> yeah, but surprisingly, I think we've had about like four comments or so. Cool. So this is from... E Street Band Fan 1. Uh, we've heard from them before. Mm -hmm. They said, thanks so much for these podcasts. Sorry, I haven't commented on them in a long time, but I had signed out at one point and couldn't remember my password. I enjoy listening to these podcasts while working. This episode has always been a top five for me. Oops, I forgot to say, this is for Willow the Wisp. Um, top five for me. This episode also pretty much set the tone for what the season two mythology would be about. Fiona's destiny and the search for what really happened to Rick. I hope that you guys will be able to release season two episodes soon. Well, they'll be happy to see where this is coming from, won't they? I think it's pretty cool someone's listening to us while they work. Yeah. I wonder where they work. Yeah, where does one <laughs> work where you can actually listen to podcasts? Also, I mean, they're fans of the E Street Band. <laughs> Yeah, um, this one was for our last episode when we talked about Medium. This is from the GSTV reviewer. Off topic, but I read somewhere that the reason Disney canceled Girl Meets World was not because of low ratings. It actually drew very well as their number one original programming. But most of the people watching the show were young adults, particularly those who grew up with the original Boy Meets World. Like you said, Disney today is catered primarily towards teens and it didn't do well in that target range. That's so stupid. Well, you know, I've heard of this kind of thing happening before. I know a couple of years ago, Cartoon Network canceled the show Young Justice because it was doing well in the ratings, but it was popular with teenagers and college students instead of the 7 to 12 crowd that buys the toys and such. And I know before then, Sci-Fi Channel canceled the Dresden Files, which was, again, a popular show, but with um, middle-aged women and not... Uh, the 20 to 30 demographic that they were aiming for. And I've never understood why networks do that kind of stuff. You know, if a show is popular and they're making money from it, what else matters? Yeah. I don't know. Demographics suck. There's just some 
decisions made by the money people that make no sense to me at all. I mean, I guess because they don't want, like, if they keep making shows like that, their target range, like, it changes and it changes their network, but... I mean, well, maybe their network why can't they call it, you know, why can't they call it, like, it's a whole family thing. Yeah. <laughs> Parents can watch also with kids. Well, you know, with something like Girl Meets World, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how Young Justice was canceled because the toys weren't selling. And maybe Girl Meets World got the canned, be, got canned because I don't know if there was any ancillary merchandise for that show. But if it was reaching older audiences, they probably wouldn't be interested in things like, I don't know, backpacks or makeup or whatever tie-ins would a show like that would have. But we'd buy DVDs. <laughs> you can't hear me, but I'm shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Facebook, this is from Andrea. I am so glad the podcasts are back. Thank you for all of the wonderful points you made on the episode medium. What touches me most about this episode is that some of the dialogue and emotional scenes reveal that even though Rick is gone, Molly is still so in love with him. And that's why so many years later, the loss of him still hurts as much as it did as it first did. For this reason, I look forward to your opinions on the episode drive. It's not my personal favorite and I don't feel that it is directly connected to the main plot of season two. However, when Jack and Clue become excited about buying a car, I feel for Molly when she admits that she worries about Jack driving because it reminds her of Rick's accident. This ties back to the statement you made in the last podcast about Molly being broken. It would be far too painful for her to lose either of her children the same way she lost her husband. Oh, that was a really insightful comment. And it always impresses me when a listener comments and says something that we had just said on the episode we recorded. That's... And I noticed that uh, Andrea followed me on Twitter, so thank you. <laughs> cool, they're looking at her links. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I only use my Twitter to promote my blogs and stuff, but thank you nevertheless. <laughs> and that's it for the feedback. All right, well, as always, thanks so much to the listeners. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm really overwhelmed with the amount of comments and feedback we've gotten. I figured this is something we would do and was so weird being as obscure as it is, we wouldn't get much feedback from it. And so I really am very touched by how much people have been listening to the show and connecting with it. So thank you so much, guys. Yeah, I love that the So Weird fandom is still going strong. 18 years later. And that is an excellent segue into our next topic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I personally did not remember the show premiering in January, even though I very much remember watching the first episode and seeing the ads for it in the days and weeks leading up to the release or the premiere. Um, so I guess I just remembered it wrong. <laughs> I don't remember uh, watching the show when it premiered. I just remember watch watching the show like... I don't know when I, I know I watched it before Fee left because I remember seeing the twin commercials over and over and over mm -hmm. again. And it was like really stressing me out. <laughs> so it was probably a while before Fee left, but I don't think I was there for the premiere. Yeah. I don't remember seeing the premiere either, but I remember being six years old. So in like 1999 coming home from school every day and waiting to see so weird. 
Well, I definitely remember seeing the ads for the show featuring that scene from Family Reunion where the laptop is tossed across the room. Uh, and that catching my attention because at the time, you know, I've talked about this before. When So Weird was on, I was into the paranormal. I was interested in ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot and things of that nature. So this show was right in my wheelhouse, which is probably why I'm still interested in it 18 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this show is now old enough to vote. <laughs> oh, we could have used its vote. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this show premiered January 18th, 1999, and it ran till September 28th, 2001. Yeah, and we should mention that the 18th is tomorrow as of this recording. Yes. Boy, how time flies. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. That's a yeah. thing. In all this time, we still don't have a DVD release. <laughs> or, or even a friggin' sound. That's our main point. <laughs> Like, you know, can you imagine a show like this being on the air now and having music play as big as a role as it does and not at least getting a digital release of the soundtrack? Yeah, iTunes. You know, where, all over that. where the hell were you, Disney, man? You know, why would you make a show that has all these original songs and never put out a soundtrack? That just blows my mind. Probably because it wasn't for their target demographic. Ugh, there's that D word again. <laughs> I mean, I think... Was it during season three or so when they had the website? And from what I hear from other fans, that they would release like downloads of a song or so. Oh, so back in 1999, it would have taken you about two hours to download a three minute <laughs> song, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I remember going on the So Weird website and getting all this information, like how Eric Lively was in a Mandy Moore music video. Really? Yeah. Like, they had that on his bio. (laughs) And I still remember that piece of useless information. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't remember the So Weird page on Disney's website very much, which is odd because, again, I remember being a big fan of the show when it was on. And I definitely remember the Zoo Disney website and -hmm. a lot of the games and stuff they had on there. But from what I can recall of the So Weird section, there was a website that at least mirrored to a degree what we see of Fiona's site on the show. Until season three, and then they changed it to that stupid tour bus. Uh, see, yeah. I don't remember that. I do remember, uh, like, Brick Rue showing up on the website, though, or something like that. Yeah. We're, we're reaching real back there. That's, that's real fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is somebody archived, like, the comments that Brick Rue made. It's you, mean, all- you mean archived? Yes, thank you. It's on the internet somewhere on an old So Weird fan site in screenshots. But I can't remember which one. Yeah, I don't know which interview it was or if John Cooksey said this, but I remember him or someone talking about one of the writers being in charge of Brick Crew and what he was saying. Yeah, and I guess we should note, you know, there hasn't been too much of the website in these first two episodes in season two. I think it's coming back soon. But in this first one, they're like we have that opening scene with Fiona and her laptop in this one, and that's about it. We're not we haven't gotten too much uh, Fiona laptop time in season two thus far. Well, anywho, do we have anything else we want to say? Bug Disney to release so weird. <laughs> Our once an episode call to annoy them into putting the show out. Yeah. Yes. Send Netflix a request, guys. Just cause. And Hulu maybe. Because Hulu's getting some of the shows, right? 
Yeah, I have no idea where what sites are streaming Disney stuff right now. I'm assuming some of them are. Yeah, I know Netflix definitely is. Though I, I also remember reading, I don't know, it might have been something you guys had posted, how Netflix and Disney do not have the best relationship, but I don't know. What? I'm much spiky secondhand information there. But yeah, as always, you know, definitely do whatever you can to try and make our voices heard, the the small, insular, but very passionate, so weird fandom, you know, bug the people in the high towers and say, hey, you know, we still care about the show. We would love a digital release or if not a physical release, something like that. At least acknowledge yeah. that it exists. Our, our voices will be, <laughs> our small voices will be right behind the big old fandom demanding Girl Meets World uh, spinoff or whatever. Yeah, yeah apparently, <laughs> which is apparently a thing that exists. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, this has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm tired. I mean, Kat. (laughs) (laughs) And we will hear from you, or you will hear from us again next time. Keep the faith. Bye. Bye.